have your Bibles, we're going to be in Numbers chapter 13 today. And uh, if you don't have your Bibles, it'll come up on the screen in, in just a minute. But uh, before we jump into the message, we're going to pause. We've been in the middle of a series called Sermon on the Mount. We're going to pause. I have a message uh, that I, that I want to speak directly to the church about entering a new era. It's about having vision for the future. Um, our church journey has always been marked by unexpected outcomes, and God's just been doing amazing things. One of the things that happened about a year ago is our neighbor next door, Dennis, he was an attorney here in the, or is an attorney here in the Jackson community, and was retiring and asked us if we wanted to purchase the property next door, which w was miraculous how it happened. And just in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, he was very generous in, in the amount he sold it for and, and just waiting for us to you know, raise the, the funds for it. It just was miraculous. But one of the things that was happening, um, because we didn't have enough space with our property size to get all the parking we needed to facilitate uh, you know, a room this size. And so what was happening is you guys were parking up along the, you know, the, the road here and this we won't, you know, I, I, I assume that if the fire department do, they, they might say, well, hey, you can't have cars blocking our driveway. But uh, you guys pushed through and it was awful because some ladies would have to like get out in the middle of spring or in the snowstorm on the, on the side. There wasn't pavement. Hopefully, men, you did the right thing and dropped them off. But some of you walked through the mud. And we apologize for that. Thank you. But uh, we have a video of just what's happened. So we get the parking lot next door. We were able to put that in this spring. And we were able to purchase the, the building as well and use that as a resource for ministry center here for, here for the church. And so uh, one of, someone on our creative team put a video together just kind of highlighting. Um, I want to play this because I want to share just a little bit what God has done. It's a quick video, and then we'll jump into the message. Hey, give yourself a hand. Like that whole shot there is that whole new area. And I just want to highlight just a couple of things. Um, uh, someone uh, this past spring, we, we moved some offices over there. We uh, partnered with a, a counseling center that, uh, that had launched here in the community. And they came under the umbrella of our church. And now they're housed over, over there as well. So we have over 20-some people every week that go through those doors uh, just for personal ministry, personal counseling through the counselor that came on staff here, Pastor Stephen Garrison. And uh, uh, we have prayer gatherings every Sunday. So we pray over our services. So first service, I don't know how many, but there's a prayer team that goes over. They pray for the entire service. They pray, pray all through first service, multiple people. That's who you've seen sitting down praying. And then we believe those prayers are permeating our entire day every single Sunday that happens. Plus empowerment. I don't know how many of us have went through empowerment, but what empowerment is, and you can sign up for this because we got one coming up in December. It's where we develop a personal one-year plan for help people understand what their next step is because everybody has one. Like, what, what's their next step? And just this last service, uh, be, between services, someone came up to me and was mentioning, like, you know, the, the Lord felt like the Lord's telling them, we, I want you to do more for the kingdom of God. And he's like, so I'm going to empowerment to figure that out. So, I mean, we, over 50-some spots, and I asked this morning, Pastor John, like, hey, since we put that parking in, have we parked people? He's like, nope, that did it. That was, like, I said, I think one Sunday we only had two spots left, but we had space. So thank you for your generosity, you guys. God is, let me just say one more thing, just to honor God. Um, Pastor Jeff had someone show up in his office one Sunday. I, I don't know who it is, but he had said someone had come in and said, 
you know, it's weird because several years ago I signed my divorce papers here, and now this is being used for kingdom work. Isn't that amazing? So please applaud God. Thank you for your generosity. We wanted to share, because back in March, you guys gave very generously to put in that parking lot and to, and to renovate that facility where it could now be used as a resource for ministry to our community. And we're not just counseling people from our church. We're counseling people from the community. Your generosity made that happen. So uh, thank you. Thank you for doing that. I want to say this because today's a special day. This, I believe, will be a spiritual landmark for our church. We've had multiple spiritual landmarks as, as a church. And the first one was when we moved here um, 10 years ago. We had a dream in our heart. and We prayed that God would, would, would birth a church here, and he did. Uh, we started, you've heard me say this many times, no people, no money, and no building. Like literally when we moved here, we had no people, less than 20 of us. We had uh, no money. I think Jen and I had saved up like $5,000. We moved to Jackson, just five grand. This was, remember, this was 2013. The housing market hadn't rebounded. Houses weren't like $500,000 like they are today. Like it won't, so we sold our house and got the house we bought. We sold for the same price. We had lived there for 10 years and never got any money. So when we moved here, we moved with nothing. But God did it. It was a miracle. And then this building was on the market. I don't know for how long, but the, the church that was here uh, at the existing building on the other side of this wall, this was miraculous. And I've, I've, here's kind of how I've described my own spiritual journey. Maybe some of you, you're like strategic planners. Like you, you, you know you're weak already. Like you just, and it's probably you, like it's probably copy paste every week. You're just so detailed, very anal. But if you're like me, you like stumble through your days. And can I get a witness in like stumblers? I feel like I've stumbled through my spiritual journey, but I keep arriving where God wants me. And hey, and I kind of like that way of doing it. Now, I am a planner, don't get me wrong. I, I do like planning, but I do feel like for my spiritual journey, I've stumbled my way through it. Each step has been an arrival, but God has just miraculously has just kept doing what, what he is doing here. And um, so I want to talk about just an opportunity that God has given us and talking about entering a new era. You know, our church is going to be nine years old in a couple of months. God has done an amazing things in nine years. I mean, look at this. We're three gatherings every Sunday. We, we have prayer gatherings. We had over 200 men that have went through our retreat center just in 24 months. I mean, it's amazing. We really feel like we're entering a new era. There's a difference between going through a season and going through an era. A season is cyclical, right? Like if you're a builder, you own your own business, like you know that your busy season is going to be spring to fall, and then you're going to have a slow season. It's, in natural terms, we have, we're entering winter. We're in fall right now. Fall, winter, spring, summer starts over. It's cyclical. But then there are eras, an era is more like a decade or decades, right? You remember if you were a business owner, things were booming in the early 2000s. The housing market was booming. People were getting loans. Like you don't even need credit checks. Just give me 10 grand, 20 grand, whatever you needed. Like it was just move, move, and then 08 happened. Anyone remember 08? Half of you probably do. Okay, a few of you. Well, let me tell the other 90%. There was a recession. We entered an era. 2020. Everyone's like, I can't wait to get back to, didn't happen. You know why? Because we entered a new era. I can't wait till we get back to the old days. Ain't coming back. We're in a new era. And you either, you're either going to take change by the hand and have God walk you through that. You might stumble through it, but you will arrive or change will take you by the throat. And you will become discouraged. I know Tuesday a lot of people were really discouraged over the election results. Um, I was, I, I'm still optimistic because I know the end result. I know how the story ends. I know you can pass laws, but God's still going to do what God's going to do, and he's still going to heal hearts. But what we experience over the last almost three years now, we've entered a new era, and I'm not fighting against anything. I'm, I'm going with God to whatever he has. New era. Everyone say new era. So the Israelites in Numbers chapter 13, they're entering a new era. If you don't know the story, Israel was in slavery for 400 years. 
in Egypt. They're praying for that to end. They want a new era. The new era is going to be the promised land. God miraculously rescues them, sends them a prophet named Moses. Moses shows up. He gets them, does miraculous things, gets them out of Egypt. They cross the Red Sea. God crushes their enemy, and he gives them a promise, but they got to cross the Jordan River and into the promised land. And this is probably about, don't quote me because I can't quite remember, but it's over a year, but under two years. So let's say somewhere around 18 to 24 months into this journey, they're getting ready to go into the promised land. Everyone say promised land. A new era. Say that with me. They're getting ready to go in a new era. So here they are. They're on the banks of the Jordan River. They're getting ready to go over about 2 million people. And God tells Moses, I want you to send 12 leaders into the promised land. So uh, he sends 12 leaders into the promised land, one from each of the clans, the 12, is, the 12 tribes of Israel. They go in and he says, here's what God wants you to do. I want you to go in and explore the land. I want you to explore the new season, the new era that God is going to enter. Is the land good? Is it flowing with milk and honey like he promised? Is there opportunity there? I want you to see um, the obstacles and so we know what God's going to do. And so he sends 12 people over, and they go for 40 days. They cross the Jordan River. For 40 days, they're exploring the land. And where we pick up the story, they tell the report. They're getting ready to report on what they found out about the land of Canaan. Verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron. And the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And they reported to them, to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. So they actually brought back like fruit, like they were ginormous fruits, like better than the fruit growing in Egypt where we were eating onions and leeks. I mean, this is massive here. So they're bringing proof. Like we went and we explored it. It is flowing with milk and honey. It's everything that God has gave us. And look, but the people who live there, so now they're saying, here's some obstacles we noticed. The people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. When we saw the descendants of Anak there, the Amalekites, lived lived in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Mosquito Bites, all the Bites. Live in the hill country, the Flea Bites. And the Canaanites live near the sea among the, the Jordan. Then Caleb, so I want you to notice that they're not saying, but God. They're just saying, here's the obstacle. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses. We should go up and take possession of the land, for we, will cer- we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with them, we can't attack the, these people. They are stronger than we are. They are spread out. They, they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They can't see what God wants to do. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. So they're just going to say all the bad things. The people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim. They were the descendants of Anak, came from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So they spread a bad report. Fear grips the people. Look at the next chapter, 14, verse 1. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled and, and against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt, that's the place of slavery, or in the wilderness. This is what I'm saying. If only we could go back to the good old days. If only, you know, scriptures talk about it is not wise to say if I could go back. Because God's eyes is always on the future. God's eyes is centered on Jesus and what he's accomplished on the cross. And his return, he's still moving in the land. We are not to look backwards, we're to look forward. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. So unholy imaginations happening right here. God didn't say, I'm going to take you to promise land. They're going to plunder you, take your children and your women. And I feel like I have heard the last almost 36 months everything bad that's going to happen. Oh, you're real silent. Some of you have emailed me. Some of you sent me books without your name. A lot of courage. Just saying, oh, whoa, whoa. Sorry. Listen. And I've looked at them. But I ain't worried. 
because I know who's in control. I know what God wants to do. And let me tell you, if the story doesn't end good, the story's not over. The bo- I've read the book. I know how it ends. Oh, the vaccinations. Oh, they're going to take our guns. Listen, our wives, our children will be taking us plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? The good old days ain't coming back. We've entered a new era. And I just believe the era, the church globally, especially in the United States, we're about ready to enter revival. Because if the days are getting darker, the light must get brighter and pierce further. And that's what God is getting ready to do. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole Israelite assembly gathered there. Joshua the son of Nun, Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who explored the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we possess, the land we pass through and explore is exceedingly good. Can you see if God is about ready to do something exceedingly great among us? If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their possession is, their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Turn to the person next to you and say, the Lord's with you. Now turn to the person on your right. You better hope the Lord's with you. I've been praying for you. Uh, Do not be afraid of them. I don't know if the Lord's with you. Isn't it interesting? Moses sends out 12 leaders. All of them have the same promise. All of them have the same experience. All of them have the same opportunities. But 10 come back with the, the, uh, a bad report. Everyone say the majority isn't always right. So just keep that in mind. 12 came back. And listen, the Bible actually tells us the name of all 12 people. But we only remember two. We remember the minority. That should tell you, I want to be a part of the minority that sees what God is seeing, that's speaking above the noise. The noise was, oh, it's bad. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight. They can't see what God wants to do. But we want to be a people say, no, I see what God's doing. And we speak and rise above the noise. We rise above the chaos. We rise above what government's doing. We rise above all that and say, no, God is with us. We have a different report. Our internal conclusion is different than the world's external things that everyone is viewing. Because we have prophetic insight from the Holy Spirit. So here's the key takeaway today, guys, is our attitude. Whether it's with government, our attitude is often the only difference between success and failure. That's what this is telling us. This is the key thing today. Our attitude is often the only difference between success and failure. Why? Because God will take a positive attitude that sees what he's seen and fuel it with faith. And what the enemy does, he takes a negative attitude and he fuels it with fear. Faith and fear, they both are visionary. They see into the future. Faith says, this is what God's going to do. Sees opportunity. Sees how there is obstacles, but we can overcome it. Here's how we can turn blessing. We can take opportunities and turn it into blessing. Obstacles turn it into what God wants to do. Fear says the same thing, but flips the message. We can't overcome that. We're like grasshoppers. It's too big. It's too expensive. It's too much. I can't dream. So whether it's for your marriage, whether it's for your health, whether it's for the dream that God has put in your heart, a ministry that you, a passion that is in you, what are you seeing? And are you ready for a new era? Because God, I believe, is nationally taking us into a new era. I believe as a church, God has taken us into a new era and as a people. But there's a difference and it's attitude. Check this out. Three things about this. The difference between the majority and the minority. Number one is the majority said no. Can't do it. That's it. That's it, guys. Throw it up. Thank you. All right. (laughs) Two said go. Ten were saying we can't do it. It's too big. Two said we should go. They suffered from a grasshopper mentality. They seen themselves as small. They seen themselves as insignificant. And God can't do it. 
no faith. Two said no. Remember where you read this? The Lord is pleased with us, and we can. He is with us. Will we say yes, or will we say no? What's going to be our attitude? What, what will be the attitude that we take this morning? So years ago, so our first miracle was the building here. Not, not, this, not the building we're in, but the first original church building we purchased back in 2013. It was nine years ago this month we, we purchased that, that building. God miraculously provided it. It was sold um, to another church, and we put an offer in, and, and, they, and they, the, the realtor called me and said, Mike, they're rejecting your offer. It's been sold twice already. One, to a business owner offered them full price cash. Uh, but they're not going to sell to him. They're selling to the, to the church, to another church. It's, all, it's a done deal. It's just a matter of protocol and a couple of church votes. And so our team of 20-some people in our living room, I told them what the realtor said. They, re, they rejected our offer. They're going to sell it to another church. And the, I remember when I met with the board when we were purchasing the building next door, they told me, they laughed at me and said it would be a miracle. So he said it would be a miracle for you to get this building. And he chuckled. Because I just moved. I was here six weeks. I didn't even know Jackson. I didn't even know if I lived in a good part of town or not. Like, I was still trying to figure that out. I think I was in the middle. I think I was in the middle. And probably in the middle. And uh, so he, he rejects it. That night, Sunday night, um, my real, Thursday realtor calls. He says, Mike, the board and the church is meeting that night. They're gathering. They're going to pray over it. But it's a done deal. It's a matter of protocol. Just, but it's, it's, just, it's essentially done. But they're rejecting your offer. He hadn't said nothing to me for months. And I said, okay. So Sunday night, we have a prayer. Now, there's only like less than 20 of us, maybe around 20 of us praying. So you have a whole church gathering. It's a majority and a few praying in the living room. And I said, I don't know if this is biblical or not. But I know the Lord told me he was going to give us this building. So I'm confused why it's been sold to someone else. I, I soberly said this to the, our launch team. So I don't know if we even have a place to meet yet. Thank you for coming to my living room for the last several months. And we prayed that night. And the next morning, Monday morning, we get a call from the realtor and says, Mike, you're never going to believe this. But the business owner took his full price cash off the table. And the, the, about six or seven votes change the whole outcome for the other church they have no buyer if you want the building you can get it and that was our first miracle and here we are and this building today was our second miracle but this one we had pushback the other one we had no people no one cared but we began to grow over a couple of years and by 2017 we knew we were gonna outgrow the building so uh we we launched a building initiative called making room and this is a result of that building initiative the building we're in right now how many of you you've only known this building wow okay probably like almost half of the room have only known this building how many of you were in the other old building how many of you didn't lift your hands because that ain't adding up okay you want <laughs> all right i ain't gonna i don't want you to know okay got one honest guy here listen um but when we launched that building initiative we did share the obstacles it was going to come at a great price and so after we shared it with the congregation we had someone take jen and i out and they had a piece of paper and they had all the reasons why we shouldn't build this building and a plan for us here's what we think you should do we were already doing three services like we are now by the way you should think about the third service. Let's make room for others. But anyway, uh, we were already doing three services, and they're like, you should go to a fourth service, and he's going through, but it won't work, and they tell us about why. They were in another church in the community here in Jackson, and they tried to build, and it didn't work, and it caused a church split, and, it was like, and I'm like, hey, I'm sorry that that's your experience, but your experience, what you're believing about it isn't the reality of this place. God has something for us, and it's different. That person did not make the journey with us. That person was part of the 10 who couldn't see what God was doing. The price tag. He didn't like how much we were paying to build this. But I'm telling you, I want to say thank you to everyone who financially sacrificed so we could build this building. Thank you. Yeah, you can thank them. He said no. But others in this room said, let's do it. Second thing I want you to catch about the majority and the minority 
is the majority misunderstood their mission. The mission, look, the promise was already spoken. The mission was go explore, survey the land, see what it looks like. Two understood that. The other ten thought we're supposed to go back and report problems. Now, you got to recognize the obstacles. But you don't make decisions based. If I made a decision of, in a leadership here made a decision based on finances, we wouldn't be here. If we made a decision based on best practice, we wouldn't be here. Like, we've just obeyed God and what's the Holy Spirit saying? We've moved on what God has said. We've moved on faith, not fear. If you look at resources and if you look at provision as, as the answer to moving forward, you're never going to move forward. Because I've learned it's not, we never have enough. But we always have vision. Here's something. Let's write this down. You're like, you're, you should have more vision than you have provision. Because God will always feel the vision in your heart. But the moment we stop dreaming is the moment the provision stops. How do I know that? Because of the widow in the Old Testament who had a, had a need. And they said, go gather all the jars you can and not just a few. Say that, not just a few. He wanted her to have vision. So her and her sons, they go and grab all these jars and they start collecting them all. And they start filling everyone with oil. And then they get to the last one. And he's, the mom says, bring me another jar. And the son says, we don't have any more. God filled every, miraculously filled every jar they went and gathered. The moment the oil stopped was the moment they didn't have no more. And the moment you stop dreaming, God stops filling. You need to get some more pots. We need to get some more vessels, start filling it. But um, two misunderstood their vision or the mission. Two did. Ten said, the land devours the land. And that's what we're reporting. Two said, we, the land we explored is exceedingly good. It flows with milk and honey. Let me tell you something, Radiant Church. Our mission never has been and never will be to maintain status quo. Because there's 160 plus thousand people in our community. Over 100,000 of them don't know the Lord. The majority of them, of those who do go to church, don't really know the Lord. They just go to church. So that tells me within a 15-mile radius of our church, there are tens of thousands of people who don't know Jesus yet. But some of us make us for and no more. Pastor, I, when we went to build this building, some said, I like the smallness. Well, certainly you do. But you know, there's hundreds and thousands of people outside of this church who don't know Jesus, who, who are at risk of being eternally separated from him. You certainly see the need to make room for more. We have to help people stretch us outside of our comfort zone and understand our mission is not status quo. Our mission is to reach people with the love and life-giving message of Jesus. And then once we reach them, we help them live in freedom. Once we reach them, we help empower them with the Holy Spirit. Once they get the Holy Spirit, they start living generous. They start connecting with other people. They start reaching the community. We will do everything shy of sinning to reach the lost. Three, ten displayed fear, while two displayed courageous faith. The ten said, we can't, the land devours, why is the Lord bringing us here? Two said, let's take possession, we can certainly do it. Our attitude is going to be the difference between success and failure. Ten died in the wilderness. Forty years, they missed the opportunity. Only two stayed alive for the new era. Attitude determines our approach to life. Attitude determines how we see life, how we envision the future. Attitude determines our relationship with people. Attitude determines our relationship between the problems and turning problems into blessing. And let me just say this. Just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean you automatically have a good attitude. All 12 of them were for the, had a promise. All 12 of them had a dream. All 12 of them were experiencing the same thing. But not all 12 had a good attitude. So just because we know God doesn't mean that we necessarily have a good attitude. I believe God's asking us to keep dreaming. As a church, as a people, as a nation, as an individual, 
We all have a next step. You have a next step in your faith walk. You have that personally, and we have it corporately. All of us has an next step. And I believe God is asking us to keep going and getting more vessels that he wants to fill. To keep dreaming, to keep expanding, to dream big. And listen, I I just want to say this. Every step, we've stumbled into it, but we've arrived. Each step is an arrival. And every time, I have a little apprehension, I have a little wrestling, but I always have excitement. We need to dream so big that we will fail if God doesn't show up. Some of us limit our dreaming to the the size of our own faith or the size of our own account, what we can do. You need to think bigger than what you can do. We need to think, what can God do? What can I do with God? Because if you don't have him, you it's your own strength. So, before we moved to Jackson, I was a, a worship leader for 17 years, you know this, at Radiant Church in Kalamazoo. And the executive pastor there, once he knew we were planning, said, hey, Pastor Lee and I would like you to write a business plan for your church in Jackson. And I'm like, I felt like Jack Black on uh, School, School of Rock. Remember, he's like, hey, don't question my vision. You remember that? He's like, I got a buttload of vision. Don't question it. Like, uh, and that's, what, that's how I felt. But I, you know, want to be honoring Of course I will. Now, I, so I had a bit of a bad attitude. But what ended up happening is I began to, to, to dream on paper. And it caused me to see more than what, I, than what I was seeing in my mind. So I started working out this, this um, business plan, if you will. And, and, uh, and one of the things I would placed on there that I believed that we were going to be a multi-site church. I didn't know when. But I just felt that in me. I was just dreaming. I believe we were going to be a church of hundreds within a few years. I believe we're going to be a church of thousands one day. I believe we're going to have community impact. I believe we're going to keep dreaming and we're going to keep reaching people. I see a, a praying and worshiping church where the Holy Spirit shows up and empowers people's lives, inspires them, and they change, and their lives are transformed. Not just people who believe in God. The scriptures say the demons believe and shudder. But disciples are transformed. Not just a belief thing. God's moving in their life. I could see all of that. When we moved here, God did what he did. In about 2017, I had a dream. Like a a real dream. Not like a vision thing or a passion thing, but I was dreaming. And in my dream... I was, had a map on a table. It was with Doug Brown, someone who uh, attends here. And uh, he's been in Jackson his whole life. And I'm tapping on this map on a table in the kitchen. And I'm saying, Doug, how do I get over here? And I'm pointing to another area of Jackson, the east side of Jackson. How do I get on the east side is what I said. And I woke up. I thought, oh, that's a dream from the Lord. So I thought it meant extension campus. Well, about a year later, I'm going out to dinner with the Browns, and I was praying about our our time together, and the Lord said, hey, tonight I want you to ask Doug if he likes maps. So then I thought, well, if he likes maps, then I know what that dream's about. It was for him. So at dinner time, I said, hey, this is a weird question. I know it's really weird, but I feel like the Lord wants me to ask you this. Hey, I didn't tell him I had a dream. And so I said, do you like maps? And his wife chuckles, like like a belly laugh. She's like, my my." room our bedroom is full of maps he's like crazy about maps and uh, I'm like oh so here's what I knew God puts the man in the dream who loves maps so that I would know the dream is from the Lord God puts a man in the dream knows the community so I know that God will put people behind us who get the community even though I don't know yet and I'm asking I'm asking the right person Lord what's next and how do how do we get over here I share that story because um I knew that one day maybe the Lord will, if he trusts us, we may have, we may have another campus. So this past May, uh, a realtor in a church comes up and says, hey, there's a church on the east side that's um, uh, the, the pastor's replanting, the congregation is dissolving the church. Do you have any interest? And so I thought, oh, maybe. So we walked through it, but the price for the church was just outrageous. I, I thought it was, it was price right but was outrageous for my faith. That's probably a better way to say it. It was priced right, but we just couldn't, we, like, there's no way we couldn't afford that, but it was a million point two or a million point three, I can't remember, somewhere around a million three. And uh, so I said to, we walked through the building, it's, you know, 
bigger than this building. This building is about 20,000 square feet. This is 36,000. So we, we, can't, we can't do that. The price tag's too high. I wish I could. And I do have a dream one day that God would have multiple campuses here. But um, we said no in May. So fast forward to the prophetic presbytery in this last August. Anyone want part of that? Anyone here for that? All right. Anyone here for the Sunday night one? Because that's the key one. So during the week of the prophetic presbytery, um, we only have three guest speakers coming in, and it's kind of busy here. But this pastor at this church, so all summer long, kind of kept dropping the price, kept saying, no, we, we can't, you know, we're not in a financial position. You know, I don't, I don't feel like, you know, this would be the timing to ask our church to maybe sacrifice for that. So Prophet at Presbytery, this pastor calls four times. Four times he calls us, wants us. He had got a, an offer from an investor, and uh, but he, he, he communicated to me, I don't think this is supposed to be sold to someone. This is supposed to stay inside the kingdom. Are you sure that you're not the pastor to take to purchase this building? And so now I'm thinking, well, maybe this is the Lord. I mean, he reach, I don't pursue it. Someone shows up. Uh, all summer long, they keep pursuing us, but I, we keep shutting it down. And then he starts emailing, calls the church four times, sends multiple emails. So I'm getting ready to tell Pastor Lee and Pastor John. And Pastor Lee stops me and he says, Mike, don't say anything because I got a word for your church tonight. And I don't, I, I don't want anything you say to influence what I share tonight. I said, oh, okay. So I didn't tell him. So Wednesday night, we get a prophetic word spoken over the church. From Wayne Drain, John Perminsky. I don't have time to read it all, but I want to I hit the highlights. Sunday night, Pastor Wayne Drain said, I had this open picture vision, a set of dynamos line up. Um, the first one was beginning to lead towards the second one, and I hear that you are reaching a tipping point as your journey as a church. And then he started talking about spirit-led moments. And he said, actually, it's positioned you for this pivotal moment of moving beyond being a blessed, blessed as a church to becoming a blessing for your city. Everyone say blessing for your city. And then he said this, I will bless you. And in multiplying, I will multiply you. Go ahead, give it a shot. And I would do much more than you can imagine. Then he said this, and this is very bold. He says, as you do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, doors will open for you and move beyond addition. This is addition here. To multiplication by the summer of 23. He gave a date. You know it's prophetic. Right? When someone gives a date. He says, I see you being given keys to unlock transformation across the city. And then Pastor John spoke about political influence and our, and our value of, of helping people find freedom. Then Pastor Lee said this, I submit this to you, chapter 8, Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 22, the Lord has asked his disciples, let us go to the other side. I hear the Lord saying, new ministry, new people for a new day. The presence of God is a reservoir in this house. The last several years you've been digging a well, waiting for the day, but the gusher is just now here. It's time to water the city. Say this with me, water the city. I believe that's the new era we're entering. That God is calling us to water the city. He says, I'm going to give you governmental authority in the city. I will give you another house and another room for your family. The season of planting has come to an end. The summer is over. Lift up your eyes because the harvest time is before you. Prepare the house. Prepare the people for the harvest in Jesus' name. So we get a prophetic word. We get someone presenting an opportunity. And I want to know, is this the Lord? So I pray about it, get peace. We get the leaders praying about it, get the board praying about it. We say, this is the Lord. We started sharing this uh, with other people in the church. And one couple in our church we were out to dinner with said, when I was sharing, like, I feel like the Lord is going to open up doors for us to have another church. Another, uh, not a church plant, but an extension of who we are. 
And she said to me, well, that makes sense because I had a dream, and it was the week of the prophetic presbytery. She's in a dream. She was sitting here in the second row. Jenny was here. A scrim went down the center aisle of this church, and she, it was a theater scrim. So one, people on one side couldn't see the other side. So this side couldn't see this side, this side. But the, everyone was watching the same thing on the platform. Two churches in one building. Two sets of people, one church. And she's getting nervous about it in her dream. She's telling us, in my dream, I was nervous about it. She said, and then someone in leadership turned around to her and said, it's going to be okay. So what we're sharing, you might be a little nervous, like, what's happening? Like, it's going to be okay. Everyone say this, one church, two locations. This is, we're going to be one church always. Same spiritual DNA, same heartbeat, two locations. So then, a few weeks, fast forward a couple weeks later, during our Thursday night prayer, a woman came up to me and says, Pastor Mike, I had a dream. And in my dream, the, the stage was blue, and you were renovating it. And there was like this cable over by the drums um, that was, was supposed to be something for some other people. I'm like, okay. So I had a dream in 2017. We had two dreams within the church. We had prophetic words. And then we have a pastor who won't stop asking us to purchase his building. So on October 2nd, so, you know, not quite six months, but several months later, um, we signed a sales agreement to purchase another building so we can be one church at two locations. And let me just say this, because every step I've been scared. Every, every spiritual landmark for the church, I've always felt like, I, I always still have that same uneasy feeling, like, is this really the Lord? But I've always been marked by anticipation and excitement. And I still have that today. I'm excited to be a church with multiple locations, but one heartbeat, one DNA. And our attitude is the only thing that's going to separate success and difference. Will we be the two pioneering spirits of Joshua and Caleb who history remembers? Or will we be the ten who wants to continue to stay in Egypt? I want to cross the Jordan River. I want to water the city. I want to reach more people for Jesus. But I still had apprehension, even after all that confirmation. And so I asked the Lord, Lord, I get peace when I pray. I get excited when I talk about it. I get scared when I'm by myself and I think about it. So I asked the Lord, and he said, hey, every year I take one week and I pray, get with the Lord, get sense for the year. And he, he told me, go back and look at your journal from last year. So December 1st, last year, I wrote this down. Isaiah 54, which was our, our key verse for the making room for building this house. Enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home. Spare no expense, for you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle ruined cities. And I wrote this down from the Lord. Get ready. You will resettle ruined churches. You will occupy other places of worship and homes and buildings and hearts. Dare to dream. I believe God is expanding our vision, expanding our hearts, and wants to expand our opportunities. He did it when he gave us 2700 Spring Arbor Road. He did it when he gave us this new addition. He, he did it when he gave us the, the, the retreat center out uh, near Brooklyn. He, gave, he did it when he gave us the ministry center next door and expanded our parking. All of it has been a miracle. All of it has been timely, and he's going to do it again. Would you like to see pictures of it? Okay. So I don't have a lot of time. But uh, real quick, we'll roll through them quickly. So this, okay, you got to have a prophetic eye. You got to have a holy imagination. I don't say, that doesn't look nothing like us. We, when we launch, one of the questions I get asked, when are we, when, what's the timeline? I don't know. We'll move at the pace of generosity. Vision always moves at the pace of generosity. But Wayne's word was summer of 23. I think that would be aggressive. But we're not putting a timeline on it because we want to launch well. We want it to have the same experience. So if, whether you're here at this location or another location, you're getting the same experience. I do feel like we'll be a church of multiple locations. But this is our first you know, I say one church, two locations. You already have this in your family. Anyone who's raised children, you're still one family. When your kids move out, you keep multiplying. We're going to multiply. 
And I'm excited about it. One of the other questions I get asked is, well, what's going to happen here? Well, first of all, I'm not going anywhere. Someone said that. Are you leaving? No, I didn't even say that. No, I'm here. This will be central. This will be our central location. But we'll renovate this. We'll make this feel like radiant here on this side. Go ahead and flip through it. Oh, this is four buildings. you just seen, um, you can't see the big building we just looked at. So here's three other ones. So this would be kids' space over here on the right. This is an, the, the first original sanctuary of that church. And then this back building, which we won't show you pictures of because that's in deep need of renovation. But that space right there, that back building excites me because that's the place where we see opportunity. That's the place for the dream center. That's the place that we could maybe do counseling. That's the place where we could expand life skills, a food pantry, assistance for the homeless, daycare, coffee. I mean, I keep making a list. People keep bringing me ideas. And we're not committing to any of them yet because that's several phases down. But that back building has potential for expanding and bringing a pair of ministry to the community. So the next one, yeah. So not too bad if you like pillars and the 90s. But no, I shouldn't say that. Hey, there's that blue that was in her dream. And uh, so this is the sanctuary. It's a little bit bigger than this sanctuary. Go ahead and scroll through it. There's like a wall in the middle of it. I think as they begin to decrease in size, they kept pushing the wall. This wall right here is, was added. The sanctuary is actually beyond that. So as they shrunk, they added this wall. And as they decreased, they added that wall. We'll blow that wall out right away because we'll believe in God. This is another angle. Go ahead and flip through it. Another angle. A lot of blue. All right, so that's, that's the building. Um, but I really feel like this next area, we're going to water the city. So I've, we've been asked, like, okay, how's this going to work? Well, phase one is just secure the building. Once we do that, we'll renovate to plan a launch, and we'll plan a launch date. Who's going to be the pastor of that? Who's going to be the campus pastor? We're praying through that, but it will be someone who has a missionary heart that will want to that want to reach a community, and then we'll build teams. What happens to Spring Arbor Road? This will become central. I will be here. We'll more likely shoot videos from here, and the message will be what's happening here in this location. So, here's what I'm here's what I'm asking. We have Giving Hope coming up. You can grab one of our Giving Hope cards on the way out. If you don't know what Giving Hope is, every year we do several things for the community during the holiday seasons because not everyone has a great holiday. That starts next week. The items we bring in, the toys, different items for Center for Women, it's all on here. That starts next Sunday. Bring those in. But every, every year we do a Giving Hope offering. And we give local to the community and we give global last year we built three wells in india we also built a church remember that church and three wells for villages and we're still going to do that every year we've never been the beneficiary of our giving hope offering so what i want to do this year to secure this building is part of our giving hope offering we'll, we'll go towards that we're still going to give to the community and we're still going to give to Brother Abraham so we can build those wells and continue to support those pastors in India. So here's what I'm going to say. This year, I'm asking for something big because we've never like put numbers on that. It just says the Lord moved on your heart. We're going to need $91,000 to secure that building for a down payment, 20% down of the $455,000. I should tell you there's a house with it as well. So there's a house with that property for 455000 But it takes 91000 to just secure the building. So we're asking the church to pray about giving towards this. Pray about giving towards giving hope. So 80, if we could raise 80000 we could get to that number one, that 91000 pretty comfortably. And then another 20000 for 10000 to our community, 10000 to build wells in India. So we still want to do it, but we also want to purchase this building. And here's what I want to say. We still, if you remain here, probably won't be the beneficiaries of this. But we're going to give hope to our community. We're going to water the city. We're entering a new era. So here's what I'm asking you to do. Number one, pray that this becomes a reality. 
every stage of our journey as a church, we prayed first. So I pray every, every Thursday. Ask God if you will be part of watering the city through that offering. I'm asking you to ask the Lord. I'm not presupposing any amount on anybody, but just saying the vision's big. It's $100,000. $80,000 to secure that building. $10,000 to our community. $10,000 to another nation. And then just obey God. I've asked the worship team to just close and worship today so we can sing prophetically. Yeah, can you? I don't want to get that on your cord there. So we can sing prophetically over our city. Prayer is what's going to make this happen. And we're a praying and worshiping church. So I want us to worship Jesus and sing this song as a prayer over our city. Would you stand up with me? And if you're comfortable with this, could you lift your hands? Father, today we turn our hearts towards you. And I pray, would you give us a pioneering spirit like Joshua and Caleb? And I pray, Father, we would be a church that waters the city. Father, we thank you already. You're doing it through the, the women's event of Bloom and the men's event of Awaken and five different churches. Are, we're, we're actually watering the state right now as we partner with other churches. Father, the, the ministry center next door where 20 plus people every week go through those doors where once was a place where we'd sign divorce papers is now the place where we strengthen marriages. Father, I pray we would be a church that waters the city. I pray stir our hearts tonight. Or this morning, Father, for more, for the future, for what you want to do. Father, I pray, Lord, that we give hope to Jackson. We water Jackson. We would become a prophetic voice to hurting people within the community. That we would be the light and the voice of Jesus. The gospel would move forward out of this place. I pray you would trust us to be a catalyst of revival for Jackson, Michigan, Father. Where life is stirring, hope is happening. Where the prodigal sons and daughters are returning to Jesus. People are coming home. People are finding faith. People are being renewed in Jesus. If you believe that, can we just lift an applause to Jesus? We invite you to come, Father, in a powerful way. Move in Jesus' name.